But we thought it'd be good. I mean, most often we remember the Lord's table in the evening, and uh, many of you, uh, you know, don't get an opportunity for whatever reason. I thought it'd be good. We thought it'd be good to set our hearts right for the new year, uh, to make sure that we're in fellowship with God. Can you imagine the church walking out the doors today in absolute, complete fellowship with God? Nothing between you and your Savior. That can happen because of, obviously you can ask forgiveness anytime, but the Lord's table somehow prompts us to go a little deeper maybe and, and uh, take care of some things that are in our hearts. So it would be good for all of us to, to take a real good inspection of our hearts this morning. So I thought, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start in verse 23 and then we'll just uh, go through some things before we partake. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. First of all, to understand completely what the Lord's table signifies to us, why we're doing it this morning. And then, Lord, uh, just to remember what you've done for us. This, again, prompts us to remember the cross, to remember Calvary, to remember the broken body of our Savior and the shed blood. So, Lord, this morning as we as we hear the preaching, as we go through some verses of Scripture, and as we partake, Father, we're asking that we would, you would draw us closer to you, that we would just draw close to you when we know that you'll draw close to us. Help us to cleanse our hearts, to take a good inward inspection of our lives. There is no reason for anyone to walk out the doors today and not be completely forgiven and cleansed. So, Father, please speak to our hearts this morning, as you haven't before, maybe, as we've had sin in our life or we've held on to it. God, this morning, may that be a, a barrier be broken this morning that we might draw closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Paul got his instructions on the Lord's Supper right from God. Uh, he wasn't there in the upper room when the disciples uh, broke bread with the Lord and uh, the Lord instituted this, the Lord's table. And uh, the Gospels probably weren't even written yet, obviously. 
Well, what we read here is how the church, how God's people are to remember His death. And I like the fact, till He come. Amen? He's coming again. He died, and He was buried, but He rose again. And guess what? He's coming back. He's coming again. So we're remembering what He did for us with these elements, but we know that we're not serving a dead Savior. Our Savior is in heaven, and He is coming again. Now I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, just over across the page for many of you. 1 Corinthians 10 and in verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. And this morning, if you're saved here today, you're part of the family of God. This family right here, this local church, we are one bread, one body, and we're all partakers of that one bread. Jesus is the one that said, I am the bread of life. I am the one that satisfies. But we're also, it's about the communion that we have, mutually participating in these, in these elements that show, especially the cup, shows forth the blood of Jesus Christ. So these verses show the fellowship that we have. And also that we're in agreement in partaking of the bread and juice as a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. We're also showing by our partaking of the Lord's table that we honor Him. We're honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. No one else. We only worship Him, not idols. Paul had to deal with that in the church at Corinth. In fact, it says in verse 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved... Flee from idolatry. Now, we mainly don't worship idols of stone and wood, though some still do. They call it, oh, we're just venerating. We're just adoring. No, you're worshiping an idol. But for God, it's what's in our heart that matters most. And we can still have idols in our hearts. There can still be something in our life that seems to be more important than God at times. As was mentioned, sometimes it's a TV or a the electronic devices, we shouldn't take that lightly. They can become idols in our life. They can stop us from doing what we need to do in our relationship with God. And anything not done according to the Scriptures could be seen as idolatry. So let us take caution here today. Look at verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table Another table of devils. It's one or the other. I've said that to you many times. We're not cats. We don't walk on uh, fences, you know. We're either walking with God or we're not. And, uh, you know, carnality is not walking with God. So let's take caution here today when we partake of the elements that we do it seriously. That we do it realizing uh, what exactly what we're doing. So this table we come to this morning is the Lord's table. And we need to forsake our idols and worship Him only. It's a time for looking inward. Personal reflection. Simply put, is everything okay between me and God? Is everything alright? Let Him answer that. He'll show you maybe what's in your heart. So let's look at some questions. Let's look at some questions that the Bible answers for us so we fully understand the meaning and the reason reason that this ordinance was instituted by our Lord. Now, first, what is the Lord's Supper? Do you see in verse 2, 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, this is Paul speaking, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them to you. And he goes on through some things first at the husband's headship and all that in the home. But then he comes over to the Lord's table and he calls it an ordinance. It's simply it's simply a, a tradition, a ceremony that the church follows. But it's scriptural. We find it in the Bible. It's not a man-made tradition. This tradition we find in the Bible. It was Jesus Himself that instituted it in the upper room in Luke 22. So when we find Scripture and we're commanded to do something, it's called an ordinance. Like baptism. Ordinances. It's an established ceremony for the church to follow. An established rule. It's a rule of order to be handed down and followed. For centuries, they've been, the, the Lord's table has been instituted to believers. That's what it is. It's an ordinance for the church. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of the Lord's Supper? Why are we doing this? Why are we here doing this? Well, a number of reasons. First, look at verse 24. It's, it's a time of remembrance. Verse 24 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord Jesus wanted his disciples, his followers, to remember him. And my friend, we do need to remember We do need to be prodded to remember Jesus because He really isn't always in our thoughts the way He should be. We really aren't always walking and following Him the way we should be. So He said this this kind of resets everything. It kind of gets us to look back into our own hearts and say, how is my walk with God? How are we getting along? There's a song that says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. And and it's just a good time. What's the purpose? It's to remember what he's done. It is then, therefore, just called a memorial. We look back to the event that happened some 2,000 years ago at the cross. That's what it's doing. It's getting us to look back. But we can also look forward because he is coming again. We can look forward in relation to his sacrifice and that the reason we're going to heaven is because we've trusted in what this represents. His broken body, His death on the cross, and His shed blood. Personal reflection. It's a memorial. It makes us remember Him. If you saw a statue of Abraham Lincoln, you would remember Abraham Lincoln. But that's not Abraham Lincoln. It's a statue of Abraham Lincoln. A statue of Michael Collins would make you remember Michael Collins. But the statue of Michael Collins isn't Michael Collins. It's a representation of Michael Collins. But the moment you look at it, you say, that's Michael Collins. So when we come to this table, Jesus wants you to say, remember me. Remember me. Don't forget what I've done for you. It's also a proclamation. It's a proclamation. In verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. We proclaim it. If anybody was to walk in here off the street, we're not ashamed. We're here because of Jesus Christ. 
We're here to celebrate and remember His death, burial, and resurrection. What He did on the cross for us. So we're proclaiming it. We're declaring it. That's what the word means. It's a proclamation. We're preaching it. The Lord's death and sacrifice for sin. We tell others what this event stands for. Why do you partake of the Lord's table? What does it mean to you? Because others don't partake of it the way we do. We're trying to stay as biblical as possible with the Lord's table this morning. That doesn't happen everywhere. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not ashamed here this morning to submit ourselves and come solemnly and seriously and say, when I take of these elements, I want to be right with God. It's also a time of fellowship. You see in verse uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17, remember we read those verses? Verse 17, for we being many are one bread and one body. There's a communion. There's a oneness in the room right now. We're here uh, fellowshipping with each other and then fellowshipping together with our God, with Jesus Christ. We're one body. This is one body, one local church body partaking of this bread and this juice. Many members, but one body. And the head of this body is Jesus Christ. But it's a time of fellowship. It's a time to give thanks. Verse 24 says, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24, And when He had given thanks, He break it. That just stuns me. When you think, now obviously Jesus always always gave thanks. Even before He prayed in, in uh, John chapter 17, um, thanking the Lord that I lifted up my voice so the others could hear what I'm saying to you as I talk to you. But it, it's, here He is getting ready. He's only hours from the cross. It's just, it's just a night that's coming. And early in the morning, there He is. He's put on the cross. Just hours away. Maybe less than 12 hours. And He's giving thanks. Thank you as He breaks the bread. This is my body which is broken for you. We ought to give thanks. If Jesus can give thanks for what He's about to do, we ought to be, give, be able to give thanks for what He did do. I want to give thanks to Jesus Christ today as I partake. Thank You, Lord, for what You've done for us. We need to be reminded to be grateful for Jesus Christ. We all do. We forget just what was done for us. And, uh, you know, time goes by and little do we know how our hearts may have hardened a little bit towards that very fact. Here's Jesus about ready to give, and of course one's a betrayer, ready to break the bread in representation of his body that's going to go on the cross and be broken. And he says, and when he had given thanks, let's remember to be a thankful people. Can I just say it's not a meal? Frankly, if you ate all of it, you may have a meal. But the little piece you're going to take is not a meal. If you came here hungry, you're going to leave hungry. You didn't come here to eat. In fact, Paul sternly rebuked the church at Corinth for sitting there making a buffet out of it. He rebuked them. In verse 22, it says this, What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you 
not. Paul is taken back by the conduct of the believers at Corinth. They did not have order and seriousness. This is a time to be a little solemn. This is a time to, to say, I want, to, I want my relationship with Jesus Christ as close as it can be. And here's an opportunity to really get all that, my, like, a, like an onion, peel back my heart, Lord. Find that thing that I won't let go of. And today, when I partake of the elements, I'm right with you. I can walk out knowing I'm right with my God. But it's not a meal. It's not to satisfy your hunger. It's a time of unity among believers. In verse 33 of uh, chapter 11, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. When ye come together, here we are. We're together. And we're to tarry. That word tarry means to wait. When the bread comes to you, don't inhale it. Just wait. Just tarry till we all partake together. When the juice comes, don't drink it down. Wait. Tarry. And we'll do it together as the body of Christ. So it's not a meal. It is not the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's not. I certainly can't change it into anything but what it is. It's grape juice and it's unleavened bread. It doesn't change. There's nothing mysterious here going on. There's no change in the substances. There's not a sacrifice that I'm going to hold up. The sacrifice happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. I'm just remembering that. Nothing's changing here. That's grape juice. That's unleavened bread. I know because we made it last night. There's no leaven in it. There's no sacrament here. It has no saving grace. And frankly, partaking does not gain you a place in heaven. And if you don't partake this morning, it doesn't take away your place in heaven if you're a believer. (laughs) It's just a matter of Resetting your life again and getting your heart cleaned up. We're remembering the sacrifice at Calvary. That's what we're remembering. You know, if I call my family to my dying bedside and I give each one of them a picture of me, that's for them to remember. That's all that's happening here. We're remembering what Jesus did. So I give them that picture. I go to glory. They have a picture of me and they say, that's, that's my, that was my father. That was my brother. That was... And they remember me. That's all it is. It's a time of remembrance. This is not the literal body and blood of Jesus. Now, when should the Lord's Supper be observed? When should the Lord's Supper be observed? Look at verse 2. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances. This is chapter 11. And keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. It also says in verse 18, First of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Verse 20, When ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Verse 33, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. What do you see over and over again? That it's a purposeful decision. And it happens, we observe the Lord's table, when the church is together. You can't do it at my house. You're not there. pastor wouldn't do it at his house unless he had the whole church there. You understand? When ye come together, did you read that? When ye come together into one place. We could do this 
anywhere as long as we were together. Because this isn't the church. That's the church. We're the church. When ye come together, when should the Lord's Supper be observed? When the church meets. The brethren, you saw in verse 2, ye come together. Who do you think he's talking about? He's not talking to the world. He's talking to Christians. Christians. Into one place. So it's whenever the pastor feels it's necessary. Or it's scheduled or some interval of time. Some churches wait every two months. Some every six months. Some do it every Sunday. It, 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 it doesn't matter. The, the Bible doesn't really tell us. In fact, that's the next one. How often should we observe the Lord's Supper? Verse 22, verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, for as often. So, the Bible doesn't tell us how long to wait in between. It leaves it up to the pastor. It leaves it up to the person in charge of the church. For as often. As often as you do it. So it really is a time of anticipation. Because never forget when you partake of these elements that He's coming again. When he says it, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That should be a great comfort to us. My Jesus is coming again. And it's an anticipation. I keep doing this till someday he comes again. Then he said, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine anymore till we drink it together in heaven, he told his disciples. So someday we're going to drink it in heaven with the Lord. Do you think it's going to be alcoholic wine or grape juice? Come on. He's coming again. Now, who can participate? What are the requirements? Verse 2. Again, you'll see the word brethren. Verse 2. 1 Corinthians 11.2. Verse 22. What? Have ye not houses? You're in 1 Corinthians 11.22. Ye, he's talking to the church of God, he says. Look at verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, over and over and over again, the words indicate that he's talking to saved people. Born again believers. God only chastens His children. We know that in Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't receive chastening, it means that you're a bastard. You're not one of His. So, if He's going to judge us, as it says here in verse 32, and chastened, that means He's talking to His children. So, when who can participate? What's the requirements? You need to be saved. You need to be saved. You need to be a born-again believer. One of the brethren... And the brethren are those who are well known in the church family as being saved. Now, obviously, some of us are members of the church. But this church opens it up for anyone who is saved. There are people here that are not members of the church, but they're saved. They can participate. This is not closed off. You all not have to go home if you're, if, after the preaching here when we partake of the Lord's table. This isn't a closed thing. Only the members. Y'all have to leave because you're not a member of the church. You can't partake of the table. No. It's for saved. Look, if you were to go down that road and say, oh, it's only for the members. 
there may be some members that aren't saved. Now, come on. It, it could be, right? How do you know I'm saved? And, I, and I'm, I'm giving out the elements. I'm, I'm up here preaching to you. But really, you see it by my life. And that's how we really judge it. I'm trying to tell you, you need to look into your own heart. If you're saved, you stick around because you can partake of the Lord's table. You're the one that's going to have to deal with God someday if you drink unworthily. Judge yourself so that you won't be judged of God. I'm not your judge. So, who could participate? Those that we're familiar with. There's people here that are not members. But I, I would say they're born again. They're saved. And it's not my place to judge that. I mean, the folks at the front desk are well known, aren't they? You know Corey. You know Paul. You know Phyllis. Are they saved? Well, who knows? I don't think so. They should not partake of the Lord's table. But there's people in here that are familiar to us. And we just say they're saved. They have a testimony. They believed on the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? I hope you do. But then there's those who are saved. I don't know of any now that are under any church discipline. But if you were saved and under church discipline, I would say you're not going to partake of the Lord's table. I hope you let the elements pass. There's no shame in that. Unless you want to drink judgment to yourself. There's no shame in that. If, if you're not saved, you're not sure you're saved, do not partake of the elements. Get that settled first. And if there's some sin in your heart that you can't seem to get rid of, now I'm going to talk a little more about that. Let the, let the, let the elements pass. Deal with the Lord about that. Now, how do we observe the Lord's table? The elements first. There is a false teaching that's called transubstantiation. Big word. What does it mean? It's the belief in some Christian religions that the bread and the wine given at the communion somehow become the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's the blood of Jesus when it's consecrated or blessed by a priest or whoever. This miraculous change by which according to the Roman Catholic Church and some Eastern Orthodox churches teach that the elements when consecrated or blessed become the body and blood of Jesus while keeping only the appearances of the bread and the wine. Now they tried to change that around a little bit and make it a little, a little easier to, to stomach or swallow. But Pope Paul retained that. That this turns into the body and the blood of Jesus. And that's just not true. This isn't, this isn't, we're not cannibals here. And when you read John chapter 6 verses 47 through 68, which we are not going to read, I would encourage you to read it. Realize that you read your body, read your body, you read your Bible literally until the literal sense doesn't make any common sense. Then you would spiritualize it. And say, what is Jesus really saying? Because he does say, unless you drink my blood and eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part with me. He was telling that to the Pharisees. But it was all in reference and context that Moses gave them that bread they needed, that physical bread, in, uh, when they were in the uh, desert there, in the wilderness. And that Jesus says, now I am the bread of life. So you don't go up and chew on Jesus or, or somehow it's, you're actually eating his body. He's saying, I'm that spiritual bread. You need, to, you need to have such a close relationship with me that it would seem as if 
you were to eat my, my body and drink my blood. That's how close you need to be to me. So the, you have to read your Bible and take it literally until the literal sense doesn't make sense. He's speaking spiritually, not literally. He's making an analogy between the physical bread that Moses and the people of God ate in the wilderness and the spiritual bread. You remember, you remember the woman at the well. She wanted that water that she would never thirst again. Did Jesus give her a drink of physical water? No. I am that water. Believing in me, you can have that water that springs up unto eternal life. Jesus didn't give her physical water. She believed on him and she was, then her thirst was quenched forever. So what I'm trying to say is, there's nothing mysterious happening here. Nothing's changing. That's grape juice. That's unleavened bread. Now, the unleavened bread. The unleavened bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. It's just a symbol. It just represents the broken body of Jesus. The bread is unleavened just like at the first Passover. When the death angel passed over, they put the blood on the lentil and the side posts, and then they ate unleavened bread. Why? They were in a bit of a hurry. There was no leaven being put in there. Nothing added. Now let me just show you in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Just a couple of verses. This is just before they went out of Egypt in 12, chapter 12, verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire. That's talking about the lamb, where they got the blood to put the, so the death angel would go over their house. And unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. That's the Passover. That was the Passover meal for the Jew. Well, why don't we celebrate the Passover? Because we don't, Jesus didn't say to celebrate the Passover. He instituted the Lord's table. Okay, we're not Jews. We don't celebrate the Passover. We only celebrate what Jesus reified for us in the New Testament. He said, this is what I want you to, to remember. In verse 11, And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So those that put the blood and the death angel passed over, and the firstborn was not killed, out they went with unleavened bread, quickly cooked up, boom. And they were, they were gone from Egypt. They left in a bit of a hurry. Didn't have time to wait for the leaven to raise the bread. And besides that, I'm going to look at leaven here in a second. Leaven um, is a type of sin in the Bible. Turn back to... Um, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. What is leaven? You ladies know what leaven is. It's yeast. <laughs> That's right. What does it do? Makes the bread rise. So, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 15. The Bible says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Without sin. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. 
For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. And even when he offered up himself, it wasn't for his sins. It was for our sins. But he became sin on the cross for us. But he's pure. The substance, leaven, is added to make the dough rise. The Bible almost always refers to leaven in reference to sin and false doctrine. False teaching. Some kind of evil. That spreads. What did Jesus say? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the, and the disciples were confused. It was their teachings. Beware of what they teach you. And he also said, uh, it says in the Bible, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So a little sin in this church spreads throughout the whole church. It's like leaven. You only put a little leaven in and the bread, the whole bread rises. Not just, not just one part of it. You mix it in, the whole bread rises. So there's no leaven in here. Why? Because Jesus is pure. His blood was sinless blood. He had no sin. So there's no leaven in this bread. Nothing to make it rise. And you can see it's flat as a pancake. Because of Jesus. The bread, now the bread, it's unmixed. It's just flour and, and water and, and a little salt. But the bread is taken first and it's broken. So when we, when we partake of the table here in just a minute or two, the bread is going to be first. Okay? And then it's broken. Actually, we've already cut it for you. It's not blasphemy of some kind. Calm down. Usually we tear it off at night. You know, we tear a piece off of, of the flatbread. I decided to cut it. Why? Because I thought by the time it got to the back of the room, 25 hands would have touched it, and there's enough sickness in the church. So I thought it would be nice if you could just take a piece of flatbread, hold on to it, don't wolf it down, as delicious as it is. Just wait for each one of us. And then when you take it, you're remembering Jesus' broken body on that cross. Was a bone broken? Not a one. But his body was broken. So, the bread is taken first, broken. You break off a piece, you tarry. And that just means to wait till we've all been served. There'll be a prayer, then we're going to give thanks, and then, then we'll eat. Then there's the grape juice. It represents the blood that was shed for us at Calvary. It's the blood of the New Testament. It's the blood of the New Covenant. It is pure grape juice. And we get it from a grape. It's just the juice squeezed out. That's all it is. Scripture nowhere teaches us to believe that this wine, which is a generic word, you have to look at the context in the Bible to find out if it was new wine or fermented wine, old wine. If any of you have been through the discipleship course, there's excellent teaching in there about this. This is new wine. There's no process. There's no fermentation process. It's just the blood of the grape. Jesus called it the fruit of the vine in Luke 22:18. There's nothing added to this to make it ferment. It is, like I said, referred to as the blood of the grape. So we'll take the juice, we'll wait for each other, and we'll pray and give thanks, and we'll drink. Now, 
I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about one more thing before we, ta- before we partake of the elements. What about the issue of personal sin when partaking of the Lord's Supper? Look at uh, verses 27, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look in verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's not a good decision, I'm telling you right now, to think you're going to get away with something. I just read the scripture. If you find yourself mired in sin, let and you and you don't want to get get it taken care of today. You don't want to ask for forgiveness and have yourself have your sins forgiven. Then let the elements pass. I'm giving a strong warning. We're not worthy in ourselves to partake of this anyway. It's only because we're saved, only because of what Jesus has done for us. So the warning is about our thoughts. It's about our hearts. And our fellowship with God. That's why I told you. Is everything okay between me and the Lord? And if you think of something, Lord, forgive me of that. Wash me clean. I want to partake of these elements. I want to remember you. I give that sin over to you and I forsake it. I confess it and forsake it. Guess what? You're ready to eat and drink. Unconfessed sin has got to be dealt with. To eat or drink unworthily is to not take seriously what we're doing here. To be flippant and careless here means you're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not taking seriously what these elements represent. His body and His blood. So, failing to examine yourself, it says in verse 28, it says in verse 28, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And verse 31 says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Isn't that good? God says, you can take care of it right now. I'm going to give you a moment here in a minute to, to take care of it. He's letting you judge yourself. I think that's good. Failing to examine yourself, though, can cause sickness, weakness, and yes, death. He said, many sleep. That means a Christian is off the scene. <laughs> They've gone to sleep. Why? Because they continue to drink damnation to themselves. That's what the verse says. This I take literally. Sometimes people are weak spiritually. They're weak physically. That doesn't mean somebody who, is, who has a problem physically is because they drunk damnation to themselves. But it's what can happen. We're not to be that judge. God is the judge. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That if you do that, you can bring that weakness on and that judgment upon yourself. Because if we don't judge ourselves... Who judges us? The Lord. And that's what it says in verse 30. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Because you didn't judge yourself. So what do I want to do now? I want to take some time. Just some time. And judge yourself.